uh, we're going to stick to teaching this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse number 5, the writer said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Now, by the way, that's the word for the Roman Calanine tales. Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, while all are partakers, then are ye bastards. And by the way, that word's not a swear word. It's an old English word uh, that uh, means fatherless or illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. I can testify to that. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Heavenly Father, I pray thy blessing on these moments together this morning. Help us to learn something that we can apply and help us to be willing to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to teach a lesson this morning on what I call it six vital questions. Ask and answer about this business of Christian chastening. I'm thoroughly convinced that, that if there is a practical doctrine, I don't mean a the theological doctrine, a practical doctrine that is, that is abused. If there is one that's more abused and misunderstood in our circles than this one, I don't know what it is. Even in good Christian circles, independent fundamental Baptist circles, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, misunderstood and yea, even at times abused. Now, we're fundamentalists. Is anybody going to say amen? <laughs> we're fundamentalists. Uh, I, I, I'm not ashamed to be called a fundamentalist. Now, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, some fundamentalists are, uh, are more funny than mental, and some are so mental it's not funny. Understand that. Uh, but I'm not ashamed to be called a fundamentalist. Uh, and that means primarily, well, it, this is oversimplified, but primarily it means I accept the Bible uh, as literal. I, I, I read it and interpret it literally. Um, as fundamentalists, we have a lot of uh, exclusive doctrines. That's just nature of the case. For instance, we believe there's one God. Just one. He's a triune God, but just one God. One. That's all. One. We're not polytheists. We believe in one God. Um, we also believe that there is only one Savior. That is Jesus Christ. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not um, uh, Kamala Harris. It's uh, I promised myself I wouldn't get political this morning, and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try. Give me an E for effort. Uh, it's Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe there's only one way of salvation. That's by grace through faith. That's it. That's the only way of salvation there is. You come by Jesus Christ or you don't come at all. Uh, we believe there's only one Bible, one book, the Bible. Uh, we believe, 
let's go a step further. We believe that's for the English-speaking people of our world is the King James Bible. And the others are not Bibles, they are farces. Amen. Farce. 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 You get it? Yeah. Spell it for him. Write it on a piece of paper. He'll get it. He's old, but he'll get it. Uh, what I'm saying is, as, as fundamentalists, we, we have a lot of doctrines that are exclusive like that. Anytime you have that many exclusive doctrines, there's a danger, if you're not careful, that you can, that you can um, uh, go down the right road too far. And that is possible, you know. Some people have done that, defending the doctrine of the local church, and they become Baptist writers. Some people have done that. Hey, I know of one man, I won't, I won't mention his name, but he used to headquarters in Pensacola. And uh, it went down the right road, defending the King James Bible, but he got to the point where he said the King James corrects the Holy Spirit's Greek. He went down the right road. He just went. You can go down the right road too far. Uh, what you need to do is learn to strike a biblical balance. And every doctrine in the Bible has a biblical balance. Um, one way that we become extremists in the practical realm is this: um, a service is preached, and we get some conviction. But we're afraid to go forward and deal with it for fear somebody might think, what have they done? Or maybe this has happened to you, and I don't expect you to be honest about it, but maybe this has happened to you. Somebody else has gone forward and they're weeping at the altar and you think, well, what what they did? What I'm saying is well, extremism. That's going down the right road, but too far. Something adverse happens in your life. And you ask, you think it, maybe you even ask, I wonder what I did. What did I do to deserve this? Why is God punishing me? Well, I'll deal with it in a minute, but God doesn't punish his kids. He corrects them, but he doesn't punish them. Now, what we're going to do this morning is ask and answer in very uh, hurried order. Six vital questions about this matter of Christian chastening. Uh, we'll take them one at a time, very quickly. Question number one is, what is Christian chastening? Well, the word chasten means to deal with as a child. It means to discipline. Discipline can be negative or it can be positive. Discipling. That's both the same thing, two sides of the same coin. It means to deal with as a child. You read that passage again. And you will find that, that at least nine different times it refers to the father-son relationship. Nine times. Uh, especially the, the discipline in that. Uh, somebody said, preacher, do you, believe in, do you believe in corporal punishment? And I say, no. I believe in corporal correction. There's a difference. Punishment is what you do to somebody. Correction is what you do for somebody. Punishment says, you did this, now you're going to get it. Correction says, I can see by your actions you're headed in the wrong direction. I'm going to put something in your life to bring you back. That's the difference. And the difference isn't so much in, in, in method as it is in motive. 
God does not punish his children. God corrects his children. If you had to be punished for one sin, you'd have to go to hell. It's only punishment there is for sin. Death, separation from God. Jesus took the punishment for your sins. God doesn't. God punished his son for your sin 2,000 years ago. God doesn't punish his kids. He corrects his children. Question one. Question two. Why does God chasten? Who does, excuse me, who? Who does God chasten? Well, look at verse six. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endured chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, illegitimate, illegitimate, fatherless, or not sons. You know what that means? It means exactly what it says. If you can sin and persist in sin and get by with it and God doesn't spank you, you're not saved. It's just simple. That's one good way to tell whether you're saved or not if you ever entertain doubts. Uh, God, God chastens his children. Now, some people say, well, you know, preacher, why is it that uh, i got a friend down the road who... Man alive, they can party hardy and paint the town red and nothing happens to them. I think about doing wrong. My world falls apart. Well, that's a good sign. Years ago, uh, in my home church in Piedmont, well, the, the main entrance come from the parking lot is through this door. And uh, I came in that entrance one evening and there was a young lady sitting right there who was holding a, an infant in her hand, in her arm. She had been saved in our church just recently and baptized. And I went up to her and shook her hand. New, brand new convert. And I said, uh, I called her by name and said, how are you? She said, terrible. I said, I got real brave. I said, what do you mean? And she said, ever since I got saved, she said, my whole world is falling apart. I mean, my friends, my family, they, you know, I said, that's a good sign. I told her, that's a good sign. I'm a, I'm a good counselor, you know. I said, that's a good sign. The devil's mad. He knows he can't take you to hell. But maybe he can discourage you so you can't take anybody to heaven with you. Um, the truth of the matter is, um, if, if, if you don't receive chastening from God, you're not saved. God chases every son whom he receives. Now, the third question, when does God chasten? That, well, this will clarify the second question. God does not chasten you the instant you sin. If he did, we'd all be one walking bruise. We'd be black and blue. God chases you when you tolerate known sin in your life. Listen carefully. This is important. When a Christian sins, God does three things. The first thing he does is he waits. To see if you'll chasten yourself and bring yourself back. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. If we would judge ourselves, God won't have to do it. So first thing he does is he waits. If you don't heed the waiting, he chastens. That's what that Hebrews passage says. 
God waits. If you don't heed the waiting prayer and judge yourself and bring yourself back to Him, He will. He will chasten you. Now, it holds a third prerogative. We'll talk about it in a moment. In His pocket. Doesn't promise to use it, but it is there. But God chastens when you tolerate known sin. That's why the Bible says, if we confess our sins. If is a big word. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I used to think, preacher, why does that verse say faithful and just? Faithfulness and justice don't forgive sin. Compassion forgives. Mercy forgives. Love forgives. Why pity forgives? Why did he say faithful and just? Well, I, I think I got it figured out. If you don't think I have, it'll straighten me out. God made the promise that if you confess, he'll forgive. Now he's faithful to keep his promise, and he's just not to exact from you a payment his son paid 2,000 years ago. Faithful and just. Uh, question number four, this one you've been waiting for. This is the more lengthy one. How does God chase it? I mean, how? Everybody wants to know how. Well, may I say, don't put God in your little box. Leave him alone. Uh, did it ever occur to you, let's see, let me pick it, uh, Brother um, uh, Ken, Ken, is that your name? Kenny, Kenny, Skinny, I know it was Skinny, Kenny, Skinny, Kenny. How many children do you have? Five. Well, that's not counting your wife, right? Not count, okay, five children. I, I haven't talked to him about this, but I will guarantee you that every one of them are different. I mean, I would almost guarantee you that, uh, that uh, you know, one of them might be able to look at cross-eyed and, and, and uh, they repent in bitter tears, and the other one might beat the fire out of them and hardly make any difference. Everybody's different. Well, did it, ever, did it ever occur to you that God has a big family? And he's got lots of kids. And he knows that every one of them responds differently to different stimuli. God knows when and how severe to spank his children when they need it. Uh, so you can't say God always uses this method or these methods. I have listed here, and I'll give you five of them real quickly. Methods that, uh, that are, that there are examples in the Bible of how God chastens, and not necessarily in this order. Sometimes, number one, sometimes God chastens by loss of joy. Just takes your joy away from you. David had sinned, scarlet sin, adultery with Bathsheba. And then, uh, then he had her husband, a faithful servant of his, killed in cold blood to cover the guilt of his sin. Nathan the prophet, God squealed to Nathan, squealed on him. And Nathan went to David and said, you're the man, you're guilty. And the Bible says instantly, instantly, immediately, David, got, David repented and got right. And then sometime later, we don't know how long, maybe it could have been years, we don't know. He wrote Psalm 51, expressing the guilt feelings of that sin he'd committed. Already confessed, but he'd committed. And right in the middle of it, I think it's, well, it's about verse 12. 
He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Now, wait a minute. He had confessed the sin. He committed the sin. He would already confessed it. Even though he got forgiveness, he's still dealing with the loss of joy. Sometimes God chastens by loss of joy. I find that that's one of the quickest ways he chases me, loss of joy. Sometimes God chases by loss of health. Now, you're Baptist, so I need to caution you. Not every time that somebody gets sick doesn't mean that God is chastening them. It might be a blessing in disguise. It might be God redirecting their lives. It might be God teaching them some special lessons. It might be God comforting them so later on they can comfort someone else. Don't be judgmental. If it's somebody else... Have compassion. If it's you, get in the closet and say, Lord, anything you try to get my attention about, I'm listening. Sometimes God does chase them by loss of hell. Uh, um, the, the, what, about, what about the people in the church in Corinth? The Lord gave them uh, the instructions through Paul for the Lord's Supper. They had abused the Lord's Supper, terribly abused it. And God said in that passage, for that reason, some of you are sick. Chase me. Sometimes, sometimes God uses uh, a loss of sometimes. And again, 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 I caution you. You're Baptists. We need cautioning. If it's somebody else, have compassion. You don't know. You don't know why God, what God is doing in their life. If it's you, if it's you, get in the prayer closet. Say, Lord, throw up the flag. Lord, it's me. What is it you're trying to get my attention about? I am listening. Loss of hell. Sometimes God chases my loss of, of uh, my loss of property. Maybe a financial reversal. Or, now, by the way, I've got to caution you again. These people need cautioning an awful lot. Uh, because I'm one of you. We all need cautioning. Not every time somebody has a financial reversal or a job loss or a demotion is it God chastening. It might be God simply redirecting their life. It might be a test that God is putting them through to strengthen their faith. It might be, hey, it might be since you don't know the future, God does. It might be God doing them a favor. You don't know. Don't, don't play Holy Spirit. If there ever comes a vacancy in the Trinity, somebody will let you know. But I wouldn't hold my breath if I were you. Uh, if it's somebody else, have compassion. You know, compassion is not a bad word. It's a big word, but it's not a bad one. If there's somebody else, have compassion on them. If it's you, get in the prayer clothes and say, Lord. Well, let me give you the scripture. You can look it up later. In Amos chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Amos chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Uh, God is taking the Israelites to task because they were backslidden. And he had chastened them and they hadn't listened. He had chastened them by not sending any rain. 
Hey, they're farmers. What happens when it don't rain? <laughs> Lose their crops. They had chastened them by famine. He said, cleanness of teeth. They wasn't talking about dental hygiene. There's only one way to keep your teeth clean, and that's don't eat. He had chastened them by loss of property. Sometimes God does that. Was that number three? Number four, sometimes, I listen carefully, sometimes God chastens for a loss of loved ones. Now, I'm going to caution you again. You got a lot of cautions today. Not every time that, that somebody has to visit Babyland Cemetery doesn't mean God is chasing that person. If it's some might be might be the mercy of God. If it's somebody else. Gotta say it often to Baptist folks. Have compassion. There's not a sin for Christians to love one another. If there's somebody else, have compassion on them. Don't try to understand it. Ask God to help them understand, not you. That's one of your business to understand. If it's you, get on your face in that prayer closet. And say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to get my attention about? I'm listening. But sometimes God does chase them out. For instance, uh, David had sinned. David got right with God shortly after his sin. Bathsheba got pregnant with his child. He had her husband killed so he could take her and marry her. The child was born. The child was sick. While the child was sick, David repented in sackcloth and ashes and mourned. When the child died... He got up and washed his face, changed his clothes, took a bath, got back on the throne, put on a smile, and happily went about his business. His friends came to him. So we don't understand, David. The baby was sick, yes, but at least alive. You mourn. Now he's dead. You're happy. Why? He made a statement that gives a good illustration of a Bible doctrine. He said, my child will never come back to me, but one day I'll go to be with my child. That tells me that Someone dies before they reach age where they can understand, they go to heaven. But you'll notice that God said to David, because of your deed, because of your deed, that child is going to die. Now, those with a motherly instinct will automatically think that's cruel. David's the one who sinned. Why didn't God take him? Well, in the first place, you don't know the future. In the second place, um, you don't have the wisdom that God has. You don't have all the answers. And in the third place, did it ever occur to you that nearly every one of David's children, they had many by multiple marriages, nearly every one of his children died, lived wicked, died and went to hell. If that baby had grown up in that environment, chances are would have followed the example of his siblings died and gone to hell. Might have been an act of mercy. At least David said, I'll see him again. Now that you know, that's that's critical 
way, but the truth is, sometimes God does that. Sometimes God chases by a loss of life. First John 5.16, there is a sin unto death. Some of the Corinthians who were abusing the Lord's Supper, making a drunken feast out of it. God said, for that reason, some of you are sick, some of you are weak, and some of you are dead already. Sometimes, sometimes. The Bible says that King Saul, who though he was not a very righteous man, he was a saved man. When he died, the Bible says he went to be where Samuel was. The Bible says he had a new heart. That's Old Testament language for the new birth. In fact, the Bible says three times in his early life he was filled with the Spirit. God doesn't fill up and say with, with the Holy Ghost. Saul was a saved man. Um, but you know that uh, the Bible says when Saul died, Philistines killed him. He died for his sin. He committed sin unto death. Moses did that. God had promised Moses he could take the children of Israel into the promised land, but he committed a sin that destroyed a perfect picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So God cut his life short. Changed my mind. Said, you're not going into the promised land now. And when he died, as 120 years old. That's almost as old as Brother Waymeyer. When he died at 120 years old, he still had the natural force of his youth. Looked, felt, was strong. Strength. Uh, but he died early because he sinned. A sin he committed. So sometimes God chastens in those ways. And an answer to Sapphira also. Acts 5. Sometimes God chastens in those ways. Question number 5. What are the results of chastening? Well, verse 10 tells us. They verily are physical fathers. For a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Sometimes fathers do that. They shouldn't. But they're human. But he, God, chases us for our profit, for your good. How, how many times, I wonder. God, I, I'm ashamed to say it, but my dad didn't do the spanking. My, my mother did. Uh, that's backwards, that's wrong, but uh, they weren't saved. There's a reason for it, but I'm not going to bore you with that story. But they, uh, my mother used to say to me, this is, this is good for you. My mother used to say, uh, this hurts me more than you do, more than it hurts you. And I used to say, well, let's trade places then. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to hurt yourself. She, as she was wailing the belt, she used to say, I love you. I think that's a funny way to show love. Now that I have a, a father and a papa, I understand it. I didn't understand it before. Uh, but God chases us for our own profit. So that will become like his son. Will grow up. You read Romans 8, 28 and 29. Keep them together. They fit together. They, they go together. And you'll find out everything God puts in your life is designed to make you like Jesus Christ. Question number six quickly. And then I'm done. What should be my attitude toward chastening? Well, God chastens me. What attitude shall I have? All right. Number one, God does not expect you to enjoy it, but he does expect you to endure it. So hang in there, baby. God doesn't expect you to enjoy chastening. 
if I was paddling my little girl when she was little, we only had one child, and uh, she, if, if she laughed and said, "Boy, that's fun, Daddy," <laughs> our daddy hadn't done his job. The Bible says, "If you endure chastening, doesn't say enjoy it, endure it." Number two, don't lose courage and give up. Well, if this is going to happen to me every time I slip up, I'm just going. I'm going to quit. You poor little thing. You know what that is? You know what this is? That's the smallest violin in the world, and it's playing My Heart Bleeds for You. You know what this is? That's the recording of the song. Yeah. I don't, I don't even sound like I don't care. I do care, but the truth of the matter is, uh, what, hey, the Bible says don't faint. Right in our text, don't faint without rebuke of him. Don't quit, don't give up. Then thirdly, thirdly, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. First Peter five seven. Hey, your daddy knows how much you can carry. Will he ever overload my basket? Yes. To force you to go to him. God loves you. God loves you just the way you are. God loves you more than you love you. But God, and God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. So he puts things into your life to help you to be more like Jesus Christ. Trust him. Heavenly Father. Thank you for this brief time together. Bless the service to follow, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Waymire is going to come up here now and do a tap dance on his pet rubber nickels.